What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanmanBaseballFan.com. It's kind of a rare occurrence these days. This is the uh, uh, second show I'm doing in a row. Uh, last night, we talked about um, regrets in buying or selling baseball cards. Tonight, I wanted to talk about something um, that I think would uh, hopefully add some value to you, but also uh, just get the wheels turning in your head a little bit to you. Um, and the question is, as far as collecting goes, quantity or quality? What do you go for? What would you like to go for? And what would make you happy? So uh, I'll go through a few examples and you know, we'll kind of work our way through this. Uh, the examples I'm going to give you are going to be like from my own collecting experiences, of course. Um, and you know, there's obviously a reason for that. It's because that's you know, what I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, with, with that said, I'll kind of jump in, but, um, yeah, start off. Let me, let me ask you something. Do you have a specific card that you just, that keeps you up at night that you dream about that you love? I'm not talking about like a, uh, a fleeting, you know, kind of, uh, interest, like a flash in the pan kind of thing. Not something that, that you're thinking, oh man, it'd be cool to have that card. I'm talking about a card that's like really, really special and not necessarily a T206 Wagner or anything like that. I know there's a handful of cards out there that, you know, I will never touch and uh, just because they're simply way too expensive. Um, but I'm talking about like cards that are uh, more attainable and maybe not for you in the season that you are in right now. Uh, but maybe so depending on, uh, two things. Number one, how much you could get this, uh, apple of your eye for. And number two, if you would be willing to sell some of the cards that you don't care much about. Um, so for me, one of the things I've been thinking about a little bit is, uh, you know, just the, uh, extra fluff that I have. And, and so I, I'm, I've actually done a pretty good job over the past few years, cutting down the things that I don't really care about a whole lot. So I'll kind of tell you what my, uh, as far as, you know, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to tell you all of the collecting things I'm in. And, uh, you know, just to kind of give you an idea of, of kind of what I'm doing. So to start off with, uh, you know, I've been, uh, you know, buying and selling cards for probably about 15 years now. And it's certainly not a business. I wouldn't call it a side business even. Um, I would just call it a kind of a profitable hobby. But uh, because I buy right, for the most part, <laughs> not all the times, uh, sometimes I would do buy with my heart than with my head. But, uh, you know, because of this, over the past 15 years or so, I have been able to uh, have this uh, entire hobby kind of self-contained, if that makes sense. So the hobby dollars I spend come from uh, hobby dollars I've made over the years. And uh, so I've kind of stretched that out a little bit uh, to cover other things, like, uh, for instance, uh, Transformers and comic books. Now, granted, while I love the Transformers and comic books, like, they're awesome, okay? Like, I, I love the, uh, the masterpiece-sized uh, Transformers that are just, uh, you know, custom-painted and, and all this just, like, you know, really beautiful big pieces. Um, they're awesome to display. Not that I necessarily, you know, <laughs> play with them a whole lot. <laughs> Don't really have time for that. But uh, uh, in any event, they're, they're neat. They're really, really cool. Um, same thing goes for Voltron. 
Um, I've got a few Voltron pieces and comic books. So comic books, like all my books are graded. Like I don't remember uh, even reading one, uh, to be honest with you. I just, uh, I enjoy the movies, of course, and I enjoy the, uh, the graphic work on the coverage. So uh, all of my comics are, are slabbed, um, so by a company named CGC. It's kind of like a PSA, BGS, SGC kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, so I've got, uh, you know, Wolverine's first uh, appearance and, you know, the first Avengers, first X-Men, first giant size X-Men, um, first appearance of Galactus and Silver Surfer. And, you know, if you're not into comics, you don't really probably know a whole lot about who these people are. But, um, you know, it's just some, some books that I really like. Uh, and as far as... Uh, other collectibles like that it's not baseball like that's it you know so uh just really comics transformers voltron and there's really uh there's a good amount of money invested in them but not really uh anything compared to the baseball cards so for the baseball cards they they're broken down into basically one two three four maybe four subsections uh, what I have is, you know, my Canseco collection, of course, which is just, you know, something I'm just madly in love with. The uh, vintage graded stuff, which again, just really love that stuff too. And then I've got a, uh, uh, you know, nice collection of FASC wax boxes from the 80s mainly. And so what that stands for is from a sealed case. They're all authenticated by BBC Exchange, and uh, I would be willing to bet that uh, 95% of you all out there probably don't even know what that is. And I think the knowledge is growing more and more as time goes on, but like uh, most collectors I talk to, they don't know what that is. So let me give you a little side note real quick to tell you what an FASC box is, and I'll give you an example. So I've got a uh, uh, pretty much an entire run of wax boxes of the 80s aside from uh 83 tops um but and the majority of them are fasc from sealed case so what that means is that these boxes are authenticated by bbc exchange as having been pulled from an actual sealed case now there's a uh, and they're sealed and everything like that so now there's a reason for that um the reason why mainly is uh, because if you don't have it authenticated as having been from a sealed case, a number of things could happen, of course. Number one, um, you could uh, have somebody with an 89 upper deck uh, box, for instance, uh, polygraphy in the first pack, then replace it with another pack, and then there likely may not be another Griffey in the entire box. Uh, so they could be Franken boxes, so to speak, if that makes sense. Another thing is, you know, you can have the packs tampered with and, you know, all this. And, of course, you know, you never know uh, when a box is, like, jostled around or anything. So, uh, if, uh, if a wax box is authenticated as having been FASC, um, you know that it has been uh, securely uh, in place since the time that it was created. Um inside of an actual case, uh, you know, likely sandwiched in between other boxes. And so, uh, you know, the odds are you're going to have a much better time uh, with finding a, a gem mint card 
that way if you're opening. And this is the wildest thing, guys. Like there's uh, there's like some places out there that do box breaks of like 86 tops or you know 87 donners. So like it's a it's a big thing. They have a big following. Um, I think they're called ripping uh, vintage wax or something. And uh, my buddy Kurt, he's actually one of the guys that. Uh, his head over that which by the way he's got like this ridiculous inventory of unopened wax like if you saw what he has like angels would sing it's just amazing um but anyway so that's a big thing so if you think that like um uh these online breaks are only exclusive to new uh, product or like really old product think again they're doing with junk wax and it looks like they're doing really really well and you know hey again some of these like even low tier stars and sometimes even commons of, uh, of uh, junk wax cards, if they're rare enough, they can go for a lot of money. So uh, FASE is something that uh, as far as wax boxes go, I see they can only rise um, in value. That's my belief anyways, because I don't think you're gonna really uh, make a whole lot of, a uh, whole lot more of them. Uh, available on the market as much as you're going to have people ripping them open. So uh, those, uh, they're really, really interesting to me. So that's why I started uh, started buying them. So I've got those and I also got my fourth leg of the, uh, of my collection, which is, you know, certainly the weakest out of, of all of them because it's really just a binder. It's just a binder of, uh, of 90s inserts and uh, really good-looking inserts, all kinds of superstars and everything. But, you know, it's one thing I've, uh, you know, considered selling at, you know, five, six hundred bucks um, because it doesn't really have, like, the wow factors like one five or six hundred dollar card would have or something. And so there's been something that's been going on in my head back and forth, like, should I sell this thing, should I not? Same thing goes with that wax, by the way. Um, but the wax is like significantly more uh, valuable. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the question is like, you know, going back to this uh, this actual uh, binder of 90s cards, like you open it up and, you know, guys, like there's just like tons and tons of pages of Barry Bonds and Ken Griff Jr. and Frank Thomas and Cal Ripken and, you know, all these other guys, Mark McGuire, Roger Clemens. And, uh, you know, they, uh, all kinds of different, like, 90s technology that I love. Like, you'll have, like, embossed gold cards. You'll have, like, uh, refractor-style cards, die cuts, um, all the wacky 90s Pacific inserts and parallels. And, you know, it really is fun to just kind of pull that binder and, open it up and just look through them and you know there's not a single card in there it's probably worth more than forty dollars you know but uh it's really fun because there's a lot of them that are uh one or two dollars and I'll, I'll pull them out from time to time and uh and we'll go ahead and just uh uh you know shine them on a, a video or something to show people and a lot of people will come on and go oh man that's great i went to comc and i picked up that same card for three dollars thanks for the you know the heads up i didn't realize how pretty it was and there's even a lot of people that they'll look and they'll go, man, I love that card that you, that you showed on online in a video. Like I didn't realize how much it sparkled. Uh, I was going to buy it, but I found out I already have one. <laughs> I just didn't really realize it. So a lot of times when we get cards, we don't really 
get a time or a chance to actually, you know, kind of uh, simmer on it for a bit, especially if they're cheaper. So, um, so that's kind of like the dilemma that I'm in with this binder, for instance. Uh, the binder brings me joy whenever I open it up and, and look through it and everything, but there's not really a specific card that like really, really clicks, if that makes sense, where I'm like, oh man, this card, like I, I will be buried with it or whatever, you know, because it's just a bunch of miscellaneous inserts and parallels. So the question is, do I keep the binder or do I sell it and put that money toward a really special card? And so uh, I'm going through that as well with uh, my uh, FASC boxes. Uh, do I sell all of those and put them into one really nice card or, you know, two really nice cards or three or whatever it is? Um, or do I just enjoy uh, having them? Or uh, do I get rid of the most expensive ones and just enjoy the uh, junk wax years that I uh, remember as a kid uh, pursuing all the time, like 88 Donruss and, you know, 89 Fleer and 90 Tops and that sort of thing? You know, sell the other ones and put those into, uh, uh, you know, something I really can appreciate. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a uh, 1980 Tops wax box, which is going to be my most expensive one uh, from a sealed case. It's in very nice condition. The last one sold for $2,400. And uh, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, I did fantastic on that. But the question is, like, do I really have like $2,400, which is probably more than $2,400 now. Um, but, you know, let's say it's $2,400. Uh, do I really have $2,400 worth of appreciation for that box? Well, as an investment, yes, because I think uh, I'll do really well with it regardless of when I sell it. But uh, when it comes to uh, just admiring it, like <laughs> it's in the closet, you know what I mean? Like I would, I would probably rather put that into something like a uh, T206 Green Cob, which, you know, would be fantastic because that would be one I'd display and that would be one that'd say, you know, this is, you know, I, I would dream about it, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and so that's kind of one of the humps that I've realized for myself personally, and maybe for you as well, is it is difficult to get rid of cards that are, you know, really good that you have, uh, but you might not necessarily love because you just think, well, they're here. So why would I really want to sell them? I would rather these cards than the cash in my bank. But um, if you think of it more in terms of would I rather these cards here, you know, uh, in my possession or would I rather, um, you know, whatever card it is that you're going for. And, uh, you know, so when you start thinking two, three, four plays ahead, uh, collecting gets like really more interesting, like significantly more exciting. So, um, the, you know, three, four cards I'm really looking at right now, which is, uh, you know, they're, they're bigger cards. Uh, but you know, is it, is a King Kelly, uh, that's an old judge card. I've told you about him before. He's the, you know, baseball's most popular 19th century player. He was, uh, in many ways, he was the Jose Canseco of the uh, 19th century because he was the guy that transcended baseball. There weren't a whole lot of players that did that. King Kelly did. And, uh, 
you know, he was a household name, which was like ridiculously difficult for baseball when, you know, there wasn't like television or radio or anything like that. Um, so, and obviously not the internet, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so he's one that like really popularized, uh, people, uh, chasing, uh, celebrities for autographs. You know, he was like the first guy right there. Um, you know, there's a America's first, uh, recorded pop hit slide. Kelly slide was, was, you know, written about him. And, uh, anyway, so like I could go on and on about this guy, but there's a card out there that I really want and I know where it is, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> a little more expensive than I'd be interested in paying. Uh, uh, the next one is probably a T206 green background cob. Um, that I'd like, I <laughs> tried to go for a couple of them, uh, about a week or two ago and I lost out on both. <laughs> um, yeah, it happens sometimes. Another is a 33 Gaudi Ruth. And then finally a 48 leaf Jackie Robinson. And these cards here are, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to define both of them, like both types of cards. So I have some cards that are, as I mentioned earlier, flash in the pan cards. The cards that I have a little bit of desire for, or maybe a lot, but it's like very fleeting. Um, and then there's some that like, you know, are, <laughs> I'm in it for the long haul. I'm looking constantly for them and that sort of thing. So when it comes to uh, the flash in the pan cards for me, and you know, this is not, by the way, uh, saying anything like negative about these cards at all whatsoever. It's just literally me trying to describe how I felt about them. Uh, uh, two of them specifically, the 89 Upper Deck King Griffey Jr. Uh, PSA 10, and which I just talked about last night because it's been hitting $1,000 recently. And the 1990 Leaf Frank Thomas PSA 10. Apparently Gary V said something about the leaf frank thomas and magically all of a sudden it doubled in price <laughs> so i don't know if that's sustainable or not i do think it's a, a vastly underrated card um in psa 10 and uh you know the griffey i think probably uh you know is a thousand dollar card plus uh do i think it is now i mean i guess by numbers it is but uh, but either way, I think uh, eventually it'll be in a position, even if it's not now, uh, to consistently stay up there. Um, it's been fluctuating a little, a little bit, but it's just grown a lot recently. Um, but those are two cards that really I was like, oh man, you know, I wish I had them. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I just sold, I just sold them earlier this year. I had a couple, I had both of them, and uh, I didn't really turn a you know, really profit on them or anything. I just, uh, you know, wanted to move the money into something else. And, uh, you know, but here I am going, Oh man, I wish I had him. But the thing is, is I'm trying to kind of wade through my, my emotions here personally. I think, I think the reason why I really like him is just because they've experienced a lot of growth recently. Now, whether that growth is artificial or not remains to be seen. Um, but it's kind of funny how when you attach a higher dollar value to something, it makes it seem even more special, right? <laughs> so those are what I would consider to be more uh, flash-in-the-pan uh, interest. Because, um, like I said, I already had them. Did I have them proudly displayed? No. 
you know, they were, they were just, uh, they're just in a pile. Um, now, uh, take that in, uh, uh, conjunction with, uh, instead, let's say a T206 green background cob. Would that be in a pile? No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I would be looking at that thing constantly. And uh, so that's a card that I would say would probably stay with me day in day out as far as, uh, uh, you know, in, in the back of my mind trying to get one. Um, and, you know, gosh, guys, like, <laughs> there's so many Conseco cards, it's ridiculous. I, I try not to pigeonhole myself for you when I talk about Conseco cards because I know it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, a lot, of, it's not very relatable <laughs> if I keep talking Conseco, but, uh, but yeah, you know, gosh, guys, like there's a handful of cards that I would love, love, love of Conseco and probably more so than, you know, any of the other vintage cards I'm talking about. So, uh, so yeah, definitely there's a handful of Conseco cards that are rare out there that, um, are always in my head that I really want. And those are not flash in the pan cards. Those are cards that will, you know, stick on my want list until, you know, they're with me if that ever happens. So God willing, <laughs> but, um, anyway, so, uh, you know, all that to say, uh, you know, I, want to, I want to be careful because, and this is, this is a good thing to remind you as well. Uh, when you have, um, certain, a certain amount of expendable income, it's very easy when it comes to cards, especially to, uh, uh, see something on eBay and just pull the trigger. You're like, yeah, this is a cool card. But did you hear my voice? Like, this is a cool card. Yeah, that, so if you really have something that you're excited about, you know, consider don't get the one that you're like, this is a cool card. Uh, think about holding that money and waiting until uh, you see something that your jaw drops. Like, you just love it. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of what I'm trying to do, um, a little more of, and, uh, even this last year, like I, I seem to do this with like every, uh, collecting, um, journey, I guess you could call it, uh, I've been on like the uh, newer PSA rookies. Oh, okay. I'll get an A4 flare update, uh, Roger Clemens or, uh, you know, 85 tops McGuire, a6 tops traded bonds like none of them were like super exciting uh and even even you know for the vintage i got a lot of vintage i just didn't really care a whole lot about um it gave me more of the feeling of like yeah this is kind of cool like uh there are a number of old judge cards that fit that bill like oh man i really like this uh this pose here and uh you know there's like this beautiful pose of uh of uh these guys that they just kind of uh were in a position as if somebody had slid into the base and everything. I really enjoyed it, but it was like a, you know, north of $500 card. And with as neat as that is of a 19th century card, uh, I just really didn't like it too much as far as being in my collection because that money was tied up in that. I would rather have saved that money and put it toward, you know, something like a, you know, King Kelly or Cat Banson or, you know, something like that. So, um, anyways, I mean, it just goes to show you though, like, uh, you do this over, if you don't reevaluate your collection, um, which I've been very thankful that I've done this a lot over the past, like five years, I've constantly reevaluated. I've, you know, sold what I didn't want and, 
you know, bought what I really did and, uh, you know, continually did that. I would, you know, certainly recommend that to you as well. Um, and, uh, if you don't, and there's a lot of people that are like this, uh, that, you know, if you get to a point where you're at like, let's say, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 years of collecting and you haven't sold anything, which is fine because it's never too late, but you just have a lot more, uh, work ahead of you. And it's kind of exciting though, if like this kind of turns on something in you because all of a sudden you have a lot more cardboard to play with, which is really cool because you might, you know, say, okay, well, I've, you know, spent 50 last week and, you know, a couple hundred the week before. And then, you know, last few months I didn't spend anything, but last year I really went after it and, you know, spent five grand or whatever. And, you know, this has been your uh, mantra over the past five, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, even if you get only half of your money back, like you're going to have a lot of money to be able to play with to put something, put it into something that you really care about. Now, I will certainly give this disclaimer first because this is far, far, far more important than anything else. Obviously, make sure that you take care of your family first and, you know, be the responsible adult, you know, and, uh, you know, do the bills and, and all that sort of thing first and foremost before doing anything else. And I am a very, very, very big uh, supporter of, you know, selling uh, the, your collection that, you know, especially cars that don't mean anything to you to you know, get out of debt. Um, you know, cause life is like a lot better, not in debt. <laughs> so, you know, that's something that you and your wife or, you know, whoever you're with would, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing to talk about for sure. Um, but, um, assuming you're putting it into cards, just think about that. Take a look and take stock of what all you have. Do you have like, you know, a hundred dollars worth of cards that you don't want? Do you have a thousand, like, and really think about it. Like, what would I do without these cards? Would I just cry and regret it? Or is it just like, eh, cause they're readily available. Um, I have a feeling that there's going to be many of you out there that have a considerable amount of money, uh, into cards in terms of their value that you can get out of them and do something like really special, like something jaw dropping, you know? And, uh, it's kind of fun. Even if you don't do it, like I'd recommend you to uh, just look through your collection, run the numbers and see what's possible. Like that was one of my kind of fun escapes, I guess you could say from uh, super collecting Consego. Cause when I was in the middle of, you know, getting all the, you know, blank back uh, postcards and, and oversized Donner's cards and, you know, buy back one of ones and all this and everything in between, um, Every now and then, I try to take uh, take stock of how much money I had in the collection and go, huh, I wonder how it would feel if instead of having, like, all of these, you know, this, this glut of Conseco cards, like, how it would feel having, uh, you know, solid investments, not just for the sake of, of them being solid investments, but, um, uh, you know, that is certainly an added bonus, but... Uh, but having like, you know, just jaw dropping cards, like, uh, the 52 tops of Mantle, the, you know, 1915 Cracker Jack Ty Cobb or Shula Joe Jackson. And I remember, uh, <laughs> two things. Number one, I remember just my jaw dropping 
saying, wow, these are, you know, <laughs> like I'll have like, a, you know, thousands of Canseco cards that people just like are amazed by because it's a little, you know, virtual library of things that people have never seen before. Um, and if I sold them, I'd only have like, you know, 10 cards or whatever of these like super special cards. So my jaw dropped on that because like, it's just like, uh, it's kind of strange to think of years of work going into just 10 cards. But the other thing that was immediately apparent was, oh my gosh, I could actually sell these and get like a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle, a 1952 Topps or 1915 Cracker Jack, uh, Shields Joe Jackson or Ty Cobb, like what? That's crazy. Like in those cards to me, like they mean so much to me because, you know, I mean, gosh, like they make movie appearances. They have graced the covers of, uh, of advertising banners, price guys, magazines, like ever since the eighties, you know, and even seventies, uh, you know, they're, uh, staples in the hobby. They are icons. And, uh, you know, so had I not sold, um, out of my Kinseco stuff, I wouldn't have been able to have ever dreamed of having those. And, uh, so it's kind of fun. It's fun to know that it's possible. And it's not just like, and please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this, uh, to say, Hey guys, look at me, look at what I did. Isn't that awesome? And, you know, look how cool I am and you know, how able I am. No, that's not the reason to say this. The, the reason to tell you all this is that this is way possible for you as well. Now, does that mean you could get a uh, Cracker Jack Shoeless Joe Jackson? Maybe not. You know, I don't know. But there are still plenty of cards out there that are amazing. Like, even if it's like a, you know, 1956 Topps Reggie Jack, uh, Jackie Robinson or, you know, a 55 Topps Sandy Koufax. Like, 68 Topps Nolan Ryan. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> all of this is doable. And for many of you out there listening... It's doable just by moving some cards that you don't care much about in your collection right now. Uh, you know, maybe that even means a Mike Trout if a Mike Trout doesn't mean anything to you. Um, I know for me personally, uh, you know, I love Mike Trout, but the Diamond PSA 10 that I had just didn't really do a whole lot for me uh, like the 52 Mantle does. Um, and I know a lot of you out there probably uh, just had this like stack of 2011 Tops update in your boxes and you might have found a uh, trout in there and go, wow, <laughs> I thought this is only a few bucks. Turns out it's several hundred dollars or, you know, 1500 plus if it's a uh, great PSA 10 and, uh, you know, and so it might not mean a whole lot to you outside of the surprise of the instant windfall. Um, so, uh, if that's the case, you know, think about like what it would feel like if you're able to move those funds into something like really amazing for you, something truly special to you, not necessarily like special in general, because the main thing that matters is you, you know, what you really want. Um, you know, and, and Mike Trout is a, uh, is a very, uh, good example. Like, you know, Mike Trout is, uh, the, uh, tops update cards, the mo the Bowman autograph cards, like those are a huge, massive deal to a lot of people in the hobby. To me, not really so much. I mean, I certainly have a lot of respect for them. Um, but, you know, it's just not something that really fits my collection. So it's not like something I would get like super excited about and, uh, you know, try to pursue. Now, <laughs> I always have to give this, give this disclaimer, guys. Like, uh, 
it seems like every time I say something like that, like my opinion changes and the next week I'm like, Hey, I got to try to, you know, get something like this. <laughs> I don't think that's the case with trout, but, um, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it's something that maybe you're going through as well. Um, and you know, maybe you do like vintage more, or maybe you, uh, prefer Pujols or Acuna or, or Tatis or something, uh, more than, uh, more than a trout rookie that you might have or something just a guess. I don't know. Maybe you've amassed like all kinds of Milwaukee Brewers cards from the sixties and seventies or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to give you some ideas out there, but, um, be thinking about it. And, uh, like I said, at the very least, it's just kind of a fun exercise, uh, for you to do at home, especially where you're sitting there, uh, because of all this COVID craziness. Um, and just to kind of sit back and dream about what's possible. And, you know, certainly, you can hop on eBay and, you know, take a look and see what these cards that you really like are selling for. And, um, you know, they'll help you on the other side too. So, uh, anyways, I hope this has been enjoyable, uh, for you to listen to and a thought provoker, uh, feel free to write me and let me know what your, uh, cards are that you just dream about that keep you up at night. I'd love to hear it. Thanks guys. Hope you all have a fantastic evening.